you coming back in here with dusty jerseys. I want to see you coming back in here with bloodstained jerseys. Now, look at anybody going sitting of a pint with those boys after that. And the referee is looking around and acting as Mickey. Tell the children to play tennis or something. If they want to play tennis, go and play tennis. Well, what's the crack? Welcome to the Three Men Weave, the Buzz out of EGA podcast. This, this is our preview podcast for the final that we all wanted. Or or is it actually? That I'm Mars Bros and I'm joined by Mick McCarthy and Gary Connington. A point I want to bring up to you, Mick, before we get into this. Oh. Uh, the Kerry goes away for a couple of weeks. He starts off there throwing <laughs> the Kerry all Dublin, kinds of angles at The Kerry me. Dublin classics, right, mm-hmm. are actually the semi-finals. Like, in recent memory. 2013, 1977. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not that recent. <laughs> um, 2013 was incredible. Uh, 2016 was absolutely brilliant as well. But in between that, you had 2011, which like the finish was brilliant, and the final the final ten minutes was frantic. But yeah. I actually watched it back during the week there, and quality wise, it was kind of it was a bit all over the place. There could have been about five red cards. Like yeah. some, like the that game was was kind of. I only like, remember two things in that game. I only remember Donahue getting the most outrageous score. In the middle of him kind of doing a five-minute stretch where he single-handedly kept carrying the game, you know, and that was the kind of coup de grace within that five-minute spell. And then I remember the 45 and how long it took Cluxon to take it and <laughs> him nailing it. Yeah, That's all I remember. I don't like... There was in, nothing else to the game, really, was there? In the in the time before that, you had the Jared Brennan's hit on Declan O'Sullivan, which I don't know how it wasn't a uh, red card. Uh, then following that, Donaghy kind of like it's not a punch, but it's not a handoff to the face. It's kind of like I'll drive the butt of my palm into your chin and just like kind of drove it into Jared Brennan, like a karate. Was, yeah, in a sense, yeah. Um, and then you had Barry John Keane giving away the that last minute free for like basically not being able to get out of the way quickly enough kind of trying to jump out of the way and end up just colliding with him and Gruxton kicking the score but even since then 2015 Notre Dame kind of ruined that game mm. but even still like yeah, and was, there was again a memory of like it was Philly McMahon and Donaghy and that was the story out of it more even than anything that happened as in actual football yeah like I remember being at that game and everyone in the stands was like why is Conor Cooper back in his own half back line this was back in the days when the, the attacking cornerback was just coming into Vogue and he was traipsing back anyway my point is right that those games weren't as brilliant as the semi-finals were now hopefully we get a, a semi-final for a final as opposed to a final for this final this weekend yeah I think so I think you say though that it was the final we all wanted the final I wanted was Kerry and Mayo and Mayo fans are going to la- are going to be not going to like what I'm going to hear but there's just a part of me as a sports you know as somebody who likes stories Narrative, not, not yeah. yeah exactly nothing to do with any kind of bias or anything like that of Kerry beating Dublin and stop of Mayo beating Dublin and stopping the five in a row and then going on to lose the All-Ireland final to Kerry I just thought would or winning it even I suppose don't like you know I guess that would be good too but uh just would be just one of the most nutcase stories sporting stories of all time and there was just a minute or two there during halftime a few weeks ago that I thought it might be possible but look we've the All-Ireland final we deserve and we've the All-Ireland final that both teams in it deserve so uh we should probably I should probably stop talking about Mayo now yeah <laughs> Let's talk about what's on. Everyone the- should <laughs> stop talking about Mayo for a week or two, anyway. Even in the week of an All Ireland final, they still managed to be centre point with Andy Moran's retirement. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what's on this line this weekend. For Dublin, it's a five in a row. For Peter Keane, he's going for a twenty-five in a row. Um, twenty-four is the number of championship games Peter Keane remains unbeaten as Kerry manager between minor and senior. That's per the Irish Independent today. That's an impressive number. 
Um, probably one that's floated slightly under the radar, but his record is absolutely ridi- mm. ridiculous heading into the weekend. Um, on top of that, then you've got this narrative about somebody like Donny Buckley, who three of the last four All Ireland finals he's managed to get a team in towards Dublin. Of those th- three, of two of those three, he got a team within a point of Dublin. I don't know if that's a. I don't think that is a coincidence. Um, he's obviously back with Inric Kerry now as well. It kind of sets it up for like the I I. For me, anyway, regardless of what Mick says, Gary, this is the final that we all wanted to see. It's definitely the one I wanted to see, I think, even though, as Mick said, that them having Mayo get there and having their hopes dashed again would have been... But that narrative office. that narrative works still next year. Like, you don't get the... Dublin having to win the five in a row by beating Kerry, who Team fell short. Yeah, yeah, so is the, the only works this year. Like, next year, if Dublin win, for example, this weekend, and then next year you get that... Kerry Mayoff narrative that still it still works as 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 a plot line. It's not as relevant as this final is. It's kind of on a young plucky Kerry team, the exact opposite of what the team in 1982 was as well, which was kind of so experienced and coming towards the end. And well, I know they won a few more All Irelands and stuff after that, but that team was and but then that this Dublin team doesn't really compare to that one either because this is a Dublin team, a plucky young Dublin team as well, mixed with a few older guys that have already won four All Irelands in a row. So. I don't know. <laughs> Just, uh, sorry, doing a little bit of maths there uh, on the amount of games that Jim Gavin is undefeated in the, the championship. And um, as far as I can tell, and I could be wrong, I think it is 36 games since they lost, 36 championship games since they lost to Donegal in the uh, 2014 semi-final. Now, it's not 36 wins in a row, though, because they did draw to Mayo twice and beat them in the replay both times they drew, drew with them in, in 15 and 16 but 36 games without losing in the championship for, for Dublin at the moment and it'd be 37 if they win and like you know you think of what Kerry did in the 80s and like I mean not to take any achievements away from them or anything like that but you know they probably had Cork to beat in Munster generally back then the Connacht and, and Ulster teams didn't put up much of a fight and every three years you'd play the Leinster team in the semi-final or and then the other two you know you'd play them in the or the other three years you'd play them in the final and you know they were kind of the best team among three or four teams for five years in a row and you look at what Dublin they literally are almost playing everybody in front of them you know everybody's getting a go off them and nobody has been able to beat them I just think it's you know, whatever we can talk about Dublin's, uh, the reasons for their dominance all you want. But from a purely footballing point of view, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. And I, like on that team, that's why I think if like, so right now you've got Kerry on 37, All-Irelands, Dublin on 28, right? I think this would be Kerry's greatest All-Ireland. Um, no, like that sounds pretty strange, but when you think about it, within a year, so they've played, they've, if, if Kerry to win an All-Ireland, they would have beaten Tyrone, Mayo, drawn with Donegal beating Cork and now beating a Dublin team going for a five in a row in as massive underdogs mm. in a All-Ireland final I think that that the, the what in previous years it, I don't think they had that because generally they had a kind of a softy enough quarter final and then would have beat the two but given the the fact that the Super 8 are there we're not going to get into that now but the fact that the Super yeah but they had a tough they had the tougher of the two Super 8 sides of the draw they had they had to beat they hammered Mayo like let's not forget that just because Dublin did it and it's like we've all forgetting, forgotten that um, Kerry completely dismantled them as well yeah. you know and then obviously the Donegal game was great and they had then thrown tough semi-final like so that's like yeah the double quarter final almost you know yeah. it wasn't exactly the greatest 
Munster final of all time, I suppose. Cork are still only a coming team there, you know. Yeah, I suppose just in terms of as as a journey, though, I think yeah. it probably would be their their greatest All Ireland. But the reason it's their greatest All Ireland isn't to do with their run the, to the final no, at all. To it's to the, the team the, that they'd have to beat to, yeah. to, to get over the line. Like yeah, <laughs> um, we get into the game itself. I think, lads. So this is our preview show. That means that we're going to do a guest handicap. But seeing that there's only one handicap, Mister Gary Connington, you would have a quiz for us later on. Yeah, All Ireland final quiz after the success of the hurling one a couple of weeks going back again with it. Bigger, better, tougher quiz. I'm going to get revenge on you here, Mars. I was about to ask, did I win that? You did, yeah. <laughs> right, so, so I'm going for the double here. The, the perfect, yeah, I'm happy Good with that. Good Galway man that you are, yeah. <laughs> Galway also in a final this weekend as well, let's not forget. Um, right, before we get into this game, I want to go back to something we talked about in a podcast a couple of weeks ago, actually, because I think it's as relevant as any time when you're going to, if you're going to sit down and analyze any game, right, this is, I think, where, where your starting point is. And this is something that me, myself and yourself, Mick, spoke about uh, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And it's, we're talking about, you know, regardless of the sport, and you're sitting down to analyze the game, and he, this was uh, Mark McCreevy and Martin Ryan, two J analysts on Twitter, break, basically breaking down. They said, most sports we've ever worked with, that the goal is the exact same. You want to make the opposition shoot from distance wide, break down a defensive structure, create more opportunities to win the ball from the opposition, shoot more often from better positions. You could look at 10 10 bits from 10 different sports from single racket to 18 inside and the resounding factor is that they're basically all the same that they're your end intentions we I mean I remember we spoke about this in terms of like it's the same for any sport tennis you want to get shoot from the baseline basketball similar getting football the exact same thing this this is your template if you want to sit down and try and win a game basically and I think that on that team uh, to go back to your conversation with Rob on Wednesday for those who haven't listened to that I think you should definitely go back and listen to that there's some brilliant stuff in that but one of them that I found particularly interesting was how he talked about team, their, both these teams abilities to break down defensive structures and only eight shots from outside the 45 the fact that they are working the ball into score positions fairly routinely and winning games based off that um, so when you go into this game I think that's something that you have to bear in mind throughout all of this like the your your end goal is that you need to like knock your opposition out of kilter like you can't I think Mayo we kind of fell into this trap a small bit before the Mayo game but the Mayo were so occupied with you know how do we curtail Fenton how do we curtail Jack McCaffrey how do we curtail Conor Callan how do we curtail Mannion and you know as some some element of it I actually think that's what happened to Kerry in the first half against her own like you have to impose yourself eventually you just you can't become so obsessed with your opposition and you know that like Kerry will be very well briefed on their opposition but at the end of the day you do have to focus on what you do well as well yeah can I ask you if that is particularly relevant to Kerry though because what Kerry's true virtues are are having a very very talented and exciting and young forward line that can do a lot of things and that been driven from say midfield with Moran and, and even if you look at the way kind of Sherwood come on and change the game and the wing backs and everything like that that they you know Kerry are an attacking football team who are at their best when they're doing it and it's not to drop into cliche and saying the best way it contain you know the best way it's form a defense attack or anything like that it's just that you know what are Kerry going to do if all their focus is on Dublin? That's not who they are. That's not the team that got them to an all Ireland final. So what good is it to them? It's particularly relevant to Kerry. Yeah, and like, especially, right, on that team, actually, it's funny, right? Like, before, we get into matchups in a second, but on that idea, like, 
you know make we had this conversation for the hurling final as well about like your bolter like like and people were like will there be a bolter this year like will we see we talked about it before the Kilkenny Tipperary game and generally those bolt the bolts in past like the Walter Walsh's were in replays and stuff like that as well and this week there's been a lot of talk about like will we get a will we get a Seamus Darby moment like who will be the player out of nowhere and it's it's funny because it actually becomes part of your analysis as well when it looks like a logical idea within that is that Tommy Walsh starts that 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 now there's other ones within that would be a bit more fanciful like say for example if Jimmy Connolly was to start that would be that's your bolter but like the on our final finally it kind of makes come back to your the, the idea of narrative the fact that you could get something out of out of the blue into that like I think the most likely one is probably Tommy Walsh yeah. to come out and have a, have a stormer and that again is Kerry trying to play to their own strengths in a sense like it's, I think that it becomes less about focusing on Dublin and more about what could we do well yeah I, I agree with the idea as to in that way but I also think that Tommy Walsh Kerry need a game changer off the bench now I've, I've seen this debated a lot this week actually so this is actually I think we should stop on this for a minute because should Tommy Walsh start the game after the performance he put in the semi-final you would argue yes but in modern game do you need that talisman to come off the bench and to offer you that different option. Now, some would say, sure, if Dublin are six points ahead and no yeah. are, are only coming into their best period of the game after 60 minutes, or, or sorry, after 50 minutes, then what good is it bringing on one guy to come on and, you know, invert the commas, change a game when there's no game to, there to be changed? But at the same time, we know that Tommy Walsh has a very good 20 minutes in him. We don't know he's got a very good 60 minutes. And do you really want to lose that guy, you know, that focal point to the full forward line when you're two points down after 65 minutes and he's got no legs left you know so i i actually don't know i'd be very interested to know what you guys think about whether that is the right move or not because you have to think about it as a 70 minute game we there's an element definitely that will be there is like we should go and we should hit dublin we should go and it's funny we were talking to jason quickly on that podcast as well about on, on our build-up podcast this week about what luke campbell has to do to lomachenko and i know it, it's funny you, you're saying that all sports are the same you know he has to go out and hurt lomachenko early let him know he's there and that's the only way he can get him out of his routine because he builds true fights dublin build true fights you know dublin are happy enough it, it, like even watching like some of their leinster championship games this year you're turning them on and it's like it's three all and you're like god you know and there's 10 minutes gone the leinster final was a bit like this and then they'll go and get their seven or eight points in a row and the game's over dublin let you let you come at them a little bit they're not going to be too worried if Kerry come out and lay down a marker it's not going to change anything to them so that's the reason I would think Tommy Walsh is in there from the start whereas if you hit them if you live with them and hit them in the second half you know that's where you do a lot more damage yeah we all know that Dublin have a tendency to bring on these substitutes with 15-20 minutes to go who are as good as any other footballers in other counties that just completely change the game and other teams can't live with it I wonder will Peter Keane maybe think well, if I bring on Tommy Walsh at the same time as they're bringing on these lads, maybe I can cause a bit of ructions up the other end and kind of not negate their impact, but have them thinking about what we have to offer off the bench as well. Yeah, like, uh, it's funny, right? I mean, I um, on Wednesday night there I met, I, I, he, I don't think he'd mind me saying this, I met uh, Dr. Dave Gainey, who, like, for those who don't know, is just, he's one of the all-time living uh, legends of Gaelic football. Like, he, he won two All-Irelands as a player. He worked as a selector under Palaszczuk. He was a doctor with Kerry for nearly 30 years. Like, an, an absolute out-and-out legend. And just one thing that I thought was really good that, that he said to me uh, that night was that um, Kerry need to focus on Kerry. Like, Kerry, this thing, this going back to what we were talking about earlier, this idea of trying to curtail Dublin. Like, 
Kerry need to play to their own strengths because they don't have a team that are tailor-made to contain teams anyway. So the idea of containing any team isn't necessarily suited. So if Kerry are planning substitutions based off what Dublin do, I don't think that's that's going to work. Like Kerry need to do what Kerry do well. And what they do well is that they can really move the ball. And if we go back to the idea of trying to break down these teams, like the reason that Tommy Walsh would start is because what Kerry need to do at, this, at its most simplest is break down Dublin's defensive structure. What is that defensive structure? Generally, they'll press any player with a the ball. They have this kind of zone thing where they'll float back with you as you try and, uh, try and attack. They're, they make them really, really hard to drop off. Their defenders are really well clued in, so they'll drop off men. Somebody like Keanu Sullivan has this down to a fine art where he'll drop off, cover space in more dangerous areas while the rest of the players can account for that one man dropping off. And it, it's, it's like this really well in sync machine so how do you overcome that, this kind of floating back machine? I think you have to move the ball really quickly. And in doing that, I think there's, it has to be two-pronged. So the first thing is that you need a player in the middle of the field who will move the ball forward quickly. That means by a kick pass in an ideal scenario, not these breaks. That's David Moran. So David Moran is tailor-made. That's what he's done. We saw, um, going back to that Mayo game that we spoke about earlier, in the first half, he had 20 kick passes, 19 of which were accurate. All were from ins- all bar two were inside his own half and were all forward. They're all positive uh, plays he also kicked the points in that period as well so if he's able to do that I think and that's where like that poses a question to Dublin suddenly Dublin are thinking what's our matchup how do we stop David Moore and do we push up on him do we put somebody like James McCarthy on him if James McCarthy say for example that is what they do they put James McCarthy on David Moore and suddenly he comes out of a half back line where so if we actually if we get into matchups and we talk about that as we go do you not think though that Dublin that gives Dublin the time and the opportunity to adapt which they will be able to do I th- well, I've no doubt that they will yeah. be able to, but I think if you could even force them to have to adapt, like uh, just like the, whatever you do, don't get out there without firing a shot. Like don't let Dublin cruise through the gears the way they do. Like I think you really have to do something to force them to adapt. If that's David Moore dropping deep and James McCarthy coming and pressing up on him, and then so you take him out of so what happened to say in the league, James McCarthy in the first half ran riot, kicked three points. Tommy Walsh went inside in the edge of the square. James McCarthy went back on him. That curtailed him. That changed up what Dublin were doing that day. Kerry won that game, right? So you force them out of what they're natural, like what they naturally want to do. Same thing with, say for Cork in the first half in Crow Park this year, Brian Hurley decided, I'm not going to, if Keenan Sutton wants to drop off here and Paul Curran was like, I'm going nowhere. I'm not tracking back. I'm pushing up on you. I'm going to occupy that space. We're going to like swarm in and around you. You're not going to be a free man because I'm going to, even though I'm the centre forward here and I'm going to get on ball, I'm marking you. So you're never free. That forced them to adapt. That Again, same thing that they suddenly Keenan Sutton had to become a man marker. It didn't do it that effectively, but Dumb still won the game by getting the other ass on it. But the point is that you force, like, you knock them into changing up and they've shown the ability to change up but you still at least you try to that's your best chance of winning like you're not going to whatever about not force them to adapt if you just let them play their game then you're absolutely screwed so the first thing I think is trying to get somebody like Morin on the ball moving the ball quickly forward the second thing is trying to provide possession and on that idea right I just thought this was interesting this is from um, the the GA, don't foul the G analyst on Twitter has written up a, an actually brilliant preview of this. I'd really encourage people to go and read it. But this is one paragraph that I thought was really interesting. So this he's not he's not highlighting this as a as a as a weakness in Dublin, but maybe just maybe 
Mayo found a little chink, right? So he said, Mayo claimed 10, five of which occurred in the first half when the game was out to be won. Turnovers outside their own 45, but that's against Dublin. Kerry, with the off-court of Donny Buckley link, are not only good here, but have obviously worked on what they do when they win such ball. Of the 28 turnovers up the pitch, they've produced 21 shots and scored 213. Of the 21 shots, 14 had six or less player touches. They look to strike hard and fast off the turnover. So this goes back to, Mick, what we talked about before, um, the the fact that that's the and what you talked about with Rob actually on Wednesday the, the oxygen to teams now is when you can get that if a team is attacking and you can force them into be slightly less clinical with their conversion that if you can force that turnover Mayo actually did force some turnovers against Dublin Kerry has clearly been working on that all year and it's something that like I think that's tailored towards playing a team like Dublin Cullum Nally actually was, was interviewed by um was interviewed uh, by Shane Stapleton this weekend and he said that when they played Kerry in a challenge game that was played earlier this summer, he thought that a lot of what Kerry did that day looked like they were building towards Dublin. That was before the Super 8s. That they, he, he saw evidence in their game that day, the way they were setting traps, the way they were getting deep runners to attack in, in pace and picking up little pockets. It looked like it was a game plan tailor-made for Dublin. Eamon Fitzmaurice wrote at the very start of this year in February in the Irish Examiner that for the last three years, they'd been building, for the last two years, they'd been building a game plan, a blueprint that was tailor-made to play Dublin. They never got to use it because last year's Super Race, the Mayo game totally upset them and they never got to play Dublin. In the league, they bet them. I, I think that's where we're going with this. And mm. based off all of that, the the more that, that like the the reason that Tommy Walsh comes into that equation is because it gives you that you can either more into Ganey that's the thing we've seen so often more into Ganey to Clifford inside like this playing through your four lines or you can play through true lines you can get David Moore on the ball and he's hitting like direct ball in on top of Tommy Walsh they don't get the chance to drop off the way that they they would like to the way that they, especially if they don't press up on David Moore if they do they take James McCarthy out of there so if James McCarthy's pushing up on David Moore he's not back inside on Tommy Walsh who is maybe Roy or, uh, or Carl comes in? If that's a big gamble. Johnny given Cooper, the, 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 I'd say no. Football. Like, is Johnny Cooper gonna? Like Johnny Cooper at best will spoil Tommy Walsh. I, I, in in that scenario, if Johnny Cooper is doing that, he's their best man marker, and he's no longer marking David Clifford. Because Simons might maybe swaps on to him there. My point anyway is that you all of a sudden you've actually forced Dublin into several different changes by trying to adapt up, and that's why I think Tommy Walsh is a is a live option this weekend. Like, I also think that uh, Spillane didn't play as badly as some people say against Tyrone. He saw a huge amount of ball and had some really good secondary assists. So plays leading up to plays. The other third option, I don't know how, how workable it is, but all the word is that James Dunn, who will be in the 26, and is, is again, now we heard this before the Mayo game, and we don't know if it's true, but again, is flying. Um, I, I actually think he will definitely be in the 26, and I think he might be, even be a, a live option for this game again that's something that would totally change him up again if the James O'Donoghue comes in suddenly you've got these three lively inside players in Clifford Ganey and O'Donoghue uh, if it's a inform O'Donoghue I think that that puts serious question marks over what they do with their full back line that's when somebody has to drop off and cover for you can't leave those three three on three inside yeah. so again that forces something although like, the last time we saw James O'Donoghue he was playing out and around between the 65 and the 45 and wasn't going past players no. and was getting it, uh, most of the possessions were coming closer to halfway yeah. than they were to but the they're just five. unlikely to also just leave three men inside so maybe it's Clifford comes wandering then if they do play O'Donoghue inside I don't know like it, it it's fascinating. I suppose the first thing that comes to my head when you're talking about all that is that, you know, you might be doing everything you can to 
think about how you can rattle Dublin but at the same time Jim Gavin is thinking about this more than anybody else and I don't think they can they can be rattled and I don't think that and don't forget that they'll have a few plans up their sleeve as well for what they're going to inflict on Kerry you know and I while I do agree that Kerry need to focus on what they do best and I look brought it up myself they also just do need to be wary that Dublin will have answers to what they do and that those answers will be attacking moves if you know what I mean it's like the, a, a chess player who doesn't you know just react to what you do they go on the counter attack and like that's what Dublin will definitely do in reaction to it and they'll find holes in that Kerry team as well you know if you go again it just it just comes to me that I do think that Walsh I think that that having that up their sleeve in the in the flow of the game in uh, an ability to completely switch the way you play at a certain time, I think is a better option for Kerry. It does rely on them being in the game, though. But that is something that, like, that's the team they've had all year. That's the team that's got them this far. Like, they're absolutely capable of doing that, you know? Yeah. So just, I, I, think, I think we're just looking at it two different ways, you know? I mean, if you're talking about Kerry having been essentially building a game plan to beat Dublin for coming up on three years now, then... I don't know how Tommy Walsh can start because Tommy Walsh has been a bit at best a bit power player in all that time and for him to come into that would would like he's a completely different type of player than they would have been planning to have in that full forward line would that not completely alter the their game plan and then I suppose that, that would kind of lend more to what Mick is saying to throw him in for the last 25 minutes and change the way you're playing but say that like if they when they have more dimensions to their attack Gary like that Dublin game in the league when you go back to that they were able to both run the ball like that was uh, Moynihan got man of the match that day like and he is the like the archetypal the flyer that we always talk about in this show like he's going to be your, your water carrier going from A to B coming on deep this, what Stephen O'Brien is doing now so well like that was what Moynihan did that day but at the same time they had inside options in a huge man like uh, Gavin O'Brien and Tommy Walsh on the inside so they they, they could mix it up both ways that day Said against Mayo they played their running game and that actually worked really, really effectively. They went more direct against Tyrone when they met a team that was able to float back and was to frustrate in that way. And then they, but they also got the running game going with players like Stephen O'Brien coming like that as well. Like I think it's a, it's an added dimension to their game that they definitely need and need from the start against Dublin. Like I don't, when you're as big as underdogs as Carrier, I don't think you can hold anything in reserve. Actually, like I think you need to hope and or do everything you can to be leading from minute one effectively and try and then. Like worry about the last ter- ter- quarter or whatever that final quarter blitz when it comes, but in the there you there is an element of kind of short termism where like we need to get into this game. How do we do that? Can we add variation to the way that we attack? This is how we do it. At the same time, there will be opposition focus. I have no doubt there'll be opposition focus. By the way, like I did um. I did an interview that nobody's going to hear, which is a real shame because my audio file corrupted this week. But I did an interview with Stephen Rochford, which was absolutely, and he told me about Tony Buckley working with them. Who was so he dismissed this notion that Tony Buckley was ever a defensive coach with Mayo. He was a head coach. That was his job. And Tony Tony Buckley's a guy for, who, for those who don't know, who's a lot of he's relies on other sports as well, like American sports and things like that as well. And he he presents, you know, like he does powerpoints. He presents like detailed briefs on opposition players, like they do in the NFL. Like he breaks down. The, I, I remember reading before that there's 11 different factors on opposition players that Tony Buckley breaks down Like so they're, they'll be very well briefed on Dublin there's no fear that they'll overlook focusing on Dublin but at the same time I don't think you adjust your own game plan for that I think you focus on what, what you do well and that's why I think when you've got somebody like Tommy Walsh that'll allow you variation in your attacking game if we could do if we quickly do the matchups here I think this is actually a nice time to do them so on the other side of the ball you've got Morley, Foley O'Sullivan 
Paul Murphy will all start. I think that's a given. So you've got two other spades there. So on that, right, I think that I wrote an article earlier this summer on um, Tom Sullivan from Dingle and the year he's had and the players he's kept scoreless. And it, like his record, like, so to go back over it again, Peter Hart, scoreless. James Carr from Mayo, scoreless. Killian Sullivan, scoreless. Paul Kurgan, scoreless. Now, a lot of them are further out the field but like what I think is mistaken in certain instances like that, they don't all want to be further out the field. Like O'Sullivan, if you watch back that game against Mead, he was trying to get forward and trying to stay attacked. But and we saw uh, actually the Cork, the Munster final is the best example of this. When Tom Sullivan attacks, he t- goes full hog, and if you don't track him, he's going to score a goal. He scored one three this summer while keeping all those players scoreless. So he is that ability to again knock some one of them out of out of killing tube. I don't think, but even in saying that, I don't think he physically is right able to f- compete with this version of Conor Callahan and the Conor Callahan that we've seen, his ability to win the ball over his head particularly, which is why I've actually changed my mind on that one. I think Tyg Morley should take Con, and the change should be that O'Sullivan takes Mannion. And tries Not to do, Kilkenny? I, I think that... The reason Kilkenny out, but but like Kilkenny will drift naturally, right? Yeah, Kilkenny will uh, naturally drift out the way. And remember the final last year when you had that moment where Mannion, the very last tackle in the corner was Mannion, who's back as the corner back, and he made the the last tackle for Tyrone. What that illustrated to me is that when the corner back attacks, Mannion will go like he you will bring him with you. So imagine if you could do that, if you could pull Mannion away from goal. Like that's, that's a win. Like even if he is going to do this savage work back there and going to have a big defensive contribution, if you just get him away from Dublin's goal, from the Kerry's goal, like away from where he's most dangerous, that's a win. That's why I think that somebody like uh, Tom Sullivan is better suited to doing that than say, like Jason Foley has, is, is very fast and has a lot about him. And I actually think he did really well on Colin McShane, but he won't attack he, he won't, like, he, and like Morley, will stand alongside and track his man everywhere. And I don't know if that's what you want to do with Paul Mannion. I think there's, there has to be more, other than double teaming up on him, I don't think, I think you have to do more to try and curtail a player in the form like him. So Foley's on Dean Rock. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So then that leaves Paul Murphy. I think Paul Murphy takes Niall Scully and he can, Scully will drop off naturally the way he does float back to, towards his own goal. And that leaves Murphy to drop off and do the job that he has been doing. Like it's not, it was we talked with this at length after the Tyrone game, Mick, where people seem to think that he's a sweeper, even though he's not a sweeper. Like he's just not tracking. When you've got five forwards and one back, he's not going up to mark the back. He's staying in his position and trying to occupy space. I think he he gets the same freedom through that in this scenario as well. That leaves then. So what right now you've got Morley on Con, um, Foley on Rock, Thomas Sullivan on Mannion moving out further then so then you've got Kilkenny so Kilkenny and Howard are the last two there right In a, what we would have happened previously is Gavin Crowley will probably start and take one of them and you've also got Shane Enright as well what I think will happen is Shane Enright takes Kilkenny instead like Shane Enright did a job on Michael Murphy and if there's a player who, like he I think at the very least you could say he broke even there and if there's a player in the similar mode it's Kilkenny Enright's definitely physical enough for him he's also able to drop off against Mayo he did it repeatedly to cover back as well he's got good defensive instincts if you, if, like when he was left exposed at times under Fitzmaurice he got criticised for, for he got took for 2-5 by, by Killian O'Connor but sure, there was like there was 80 yards of space in front of him like what do you expect is going to happen they didn't have a any sort of defensive coherence there so I think that works and then you've got Howard 
but I don't think Crowley is the man for Howard, which means I think that Jack Sherwood starts as a wing back. That means that, and we'll move on to it in a second, from your kick-out, if you start Jack Sherwood, you've got kick-out options in Tommy Walsh, if he starts, David Moran, whoever plays alongside him, maybe that's Jack Barry, and Jack Sherwood. He At the same time, Jack Sherwood... Jack Sherwood, by the way, marked Dean Rock in the league. Like to, Even though he, this summer he's become kind of this impact sub-midfielder who actually is kicking scores and driving forward, he's a great defender as well. Like don't, don't overestimate that. He marked Dean Rock and did well in the league this year. When he first came through, he was a defender. You play him at wing, half, a wing-back. Somebody, he's, he's athletic but it's the same way that Brian Howard is he'd be able to live with him he'd be able to compete with him in the air and he's physical and then this thing about do we need somebody for, for Brian Fenton which will come on to now like if Jack Barry starts which I think he will just given his record and you need an impact off the, off the bench then bring on Splan and Splan will dog into him and that way he can free up Sherwood like Sherwood doesn't have to be occupied by doing a job and just limiting Fenton he can impose himself the way he does and become a, an, a, a, an attacking option to kick the scores that he has done try and curtail Howard instead and in the kickouts and like Howard is Howard will probably never get man on the match but if he has a good game Dublin are way more likely to, to win he's that kind of player Like yeah, he, he wasn't too far off man in the match against Mayo really was he like no, he had a yeah. brilliant first half when nobody really else in the Dublin team did Like and then obviously Con was what he did was always going to win the award but you know you could say Brian Howard was equally as important for him and definitely even kept the minute you know um yeah I think there's a there's a there's an interesting you've that very well thought out I have to say um my main thing is that you know if Paul Murphy is taking uh Scully and uh Enright or or sorry it Sherwood whoever it is takes Howard those guys need to be making sure those guys are basically playing wing back I would say, because yeah. McCaffrey and Small or McCarthy or whoever it's going to be are going to be piling up forward and you'll get to who's kind of on them in a while. That means Kerry have to do the same thing. They have to use those wing backs attacking players. It's kind of going back to what we were talking about all the way at the start of the show, about how Kerry have to impose their game on. And Paul Murphy can do that especially, you know, and Sherwood we saw in the semi-final can do it, um, even if he was doing it more up the middle. You know, he can get forward as well. And I think that's really important because Scully and uh, Howard can, especially Brian Howard, can just influence the game so, so subtly if they're just, if they're actually allowed play as a roving forward rather than be in that more defensive position where they really do have to go and cover Jack McCaffrey or whoever it is that's gone forward for the, for Dublin from the backs. That's, I, I actually, that's a brilliant point on Paul Murphy and trying to occupy back and also the impact he can have on the other side of the ball, which I overlooked there for a second. But just to go back to, when I talked about that game plan that Fitzmaurice mentioned um, that, he, that they had been building before he left at the end of last year, in the, the Irish Examiner today, he touched off that exact idea on Paul Murphy. So he said that the day, 2016 game, the game that the, the hit, which was a good semi-final, um, Paul Murphy played as a sweeper for us, but when we were in possession, he repeatedly got forward and assisted in attack. That allowed us to run the ball more and play pop passes inside rather than being as direct as we can be. It robbed Dublin of the turnovers they thrive on. If Kerry can minimise that on Sunday and react to the team when they do occur, they can shut down an important scoring avenue for Dublin, as we saw in the semi-final when both of Conor Callan's goals came from turnovers. So when they... Kerry do turn over the ball Paul Murphy can have an impact in that in creating a man over but when they don't when Dublin Dublin get that turnover and attack back he's the guy who's trying to like hold that centre trying to occupy that space to not allow that one-on-one scenario with Khan occur like that's that, that becomes his job so he ha- he becomes crucial in that scenario but that is all predicated on Scully dropping off which makes me think that on the other side Scully might not start 
if if you're trying to keep all Kerry defenders honest, I don't think Scully will. Dear McConnelly, will. number twelve. Can you imagine? But so, <laughs> um, on the other side of the ball, who starts instead of Scully? Sorry, I don't. I don't see it. Well. Let's go to start every game. I can't see him being dropped for the All Ireland final. He hasn't. He's had a good year again. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I think Scully probably will start. He's most likely he's going to start. But if that if Paul Murphy starts to do that, I don't think he's the man to try and occupy him. And that either frees up a scenario where, like, you're trying to get if James McCarthy is going to get into this team with Michael Darren McCauley and Fenton. McCarthy is going to be as a halfback if he needs to come on to mourn you're trying to free up somebody else there or if you want another option inside if Kenny comes back out into that middle tier that frees up somebody like Costello or Connolly to come in there then um, on the other side of the ball it'll be Paddy Andrews in the end yeah. won't it it always is <laughs> <laughs> he talk himself into Jeremy Connolly coming into the yeah. final. on the other side of the ball Gavin White on Jack McCaffrey um, nothing too original about that he did a job on Ryan McHugh until he got a black card and I the, the Paddy Dirk, an example, is is there. that I, I, I think that is um, fairly on it there. The other two are interesting. So Sean O'Shea and Stephen O'Brien. I think in an ideal world, Dublin would try and get James McCarthy onto O'Brien. That means he's pulled away from if Tommy Watch doesn't start or Morin. So if he does, that means that Michael Darren McCauley's on Morin. From a carry perspective, you I take. I was actually wondering, Gary, when Dublin might have some say in what's happening in this match. There, I think we got as far as number twelve for Kerry yeah. before they had anything to do with it. You ta- you, you, <laughs> back to Max, Max forwards. You, you take that all day. Um, John Small on uh, Sean O'Shea. I think that is also what will happen. The Dublin's best man marker right now is Johnny Cooper. That means that Johnny Cooper takes David Clifford. Like like this thing about oh, it has to be Mick Fitzsimons. Like if Mick Fitzsimons is on David Clifford, Kerry will love that. That that is. I think that that would suit them down to the ground because Clifford is also very, very quick, um, which probably won't suit. Because Simons is brilliant in the air, but they're not going to lump all in on top of him one on one. Like they're not, they're not, they're not that naive. I don't think so. They, Clifford uh, against now they might do that if Tommy Walsh is starting, but otherwise I don't think they will. Which means that Fitzsimons moves across to Ganey, which is a better matchup for him. And then you've got probably Byrne who'll take Spillan, or if so the, the reason that I think Walsh. If Walsh starts, it throws all of that out because David Byrne can't take Spillane. If they try and pull James McCarthy back, James McCarthy's pulled off O'Brien, so you're trying to get Smalls onto him. That means that O'Shea is free. If Keane O'Sullivan is starting there, O'Shea on, on Keane O'Sullivan. It was interesting, right? The, the Kerry man did a thing this week. They wrote an article and they asked like Paul Kerrigan and Colm Collins and a load of different people about who they think will win this weekend and what they give a, their our Seamus Derby moment. Give What's their, the bolt draw to nowhere? And I think every single one of them basically opted for the one that to Tommy Walsh, the one that we talked about already. This that would be the bolter, except for Shane McIntyre, Shane McIntyre from Meath, who said after Meath played Kerry in the Super Eights this year, there was one player they were all talking about in the dressing room that they couldn't believe how good he was, and if he was given license, he would have killed him. And it was Sean O'Shea. Now Sean O'Shea, the one Sean O'Shea we've seen, has been foraging back out the field, and he's been working like a dog, and he the miler dogged him out of it against against Tyrone. Nothing like. Nothing cynical or anything like that, but it was a detailed and a, and a man-marking job. If John Small is detailed on that man-marking job, that works. But if James McCarthy has to either go push up to Morn or drop back into Walsh, and if John Small has to go to O'Brien, and you've got somebody like O'Sullivan or somebody else trying to come in and drop off Sean O'Shea, that is a massive win for Kerry. And that, that these small wins could eventually add up. That's, that's my point. Like All of these, that's again, you're trying to force them to adapt. And the only way that you could do that is by starting Tommy Walsh, which is why I think that that is a is a live option. Yeah. 
if Kerry Star Tommy Walsh, do you think that it's going to be area bombardment, or do you think because no, they're not that naive. Yeah, because Kieran Donnelly after the semi final, Kieran Donnelly made a really good point on Sky Sports where he was talking about how Tommy Walsh comes in, and he was what he said about him was he keep he kept uh, Tyrone honest. Like, he kept like, him on, like he they, it was always in their mind this high ball was coming in, but then he'd beat you out in front. Do so ar- you think the same thing could happen it, to Dublin? That, yeah, that's actually a really good point. The argument is that. If Tommy Walsh starts, like Tommy Walsh starts, he might only have five possessions. That it's actually probably likely, and that's the argument against not starting him because what will he have a real impact? But like I think a lot of his impact will be structurally. Do you know what I mean? I think his impact is offsetting James McCarthy coming out of the. I think the James McCarthy is more likely to me than Rory O'Carroll to mark him if Tommy Walsh starts. That means that James McCarthy isn't pushed up on David Moran. If it's Darren McCauley, I think Moran takes that and will get a bit more freedom to get that his kick passing going and hit that inside option. And that gives him a bit more leeway. If they are hitting that inside option, the player who's not there that you want there is James McCarthy because he's back on Tommy Walsh and you've got a bit more leeway there. So you've, like, in a sense, it is tailoring towards Dublin. I understand that. But at the same time, it's also playing to a strength that you have. And I think if you have that trump card, you use it from the first minute as opposed to trying to hold it in reserve and trying to offset them then. Like, it, it will force Dublin to adapt at the very least. Even if it doesn't work, it will force Dublin to try and adapt. Yeah. And I think you have to try and force Dublin to change something. Going back to what I said earlier about Jim Gavin kind of like playing this game as well that we have to remember that he will do. I wonder is there, I suppose if you look at the Dublin team that started against Mayo, the only thing that's really up for conversation is probably whether Keno Sullivan or Michael Darren McCauley starts, you know, so James McCarthy either plays midfield or centre-back and everything else you would think is the same. Philly McMahon probably would have been a live option we people were surprised to see that David Burns started in the semi-final. You can't imagine that changes now. Again, unless you know Dublin are looking for that different option in in Philly McMahon. I think Kerry have too many attacking op- attacking options for it to be right. We'll go and play the attacking cornerback, a la Keith Higgins or Thomas Sullivan. But you wouldn't be surprised, would you, to see Gavin? throw some kind of spanner in the works. And I don't think it's going to be Dear McConnelly, you know, but like, would it be uh, Owen Merchant or someone like that, you know, who is like, you know, if he wasn't injured at the start of the season, would he be in this team now? You know, he could be. You know, I just don't know. I And, and, and see what Dublin have in their options there is the ability to play a different style of game based on bringing in two lads. You yeah. know, who play a completely different style of football or a different, you know, even even if it was Phil McMahon instead of David Byrne, right? Like, they're completely different cornerbacks, you know? And they would play in, in a different way, depending. And, and I think that Dublin have that ability to make Kerry adapt in the same way as Kerry do to Dublin, you know? And I just wouldn't rule it out that they're, they're thinking that way too. They're not the passive team here that are just sitting there waiting to collect their All-Ireland as Kerry come and hoodwink them you know like we should never underestimate Jim Gavin that way or in fact that this team you know oh, definitely. like we're thinking about them as so much more talented and that they have to be tricked into losing but they'll do the tricking as well you know and I do I I actually don't know what that might be that's why I'm like I'm literally trying to random names but I'm saying is it wouldn't surprise me for Jim Gavin to surprise me yeah, and pull a yeah. name out that I, I just like, Jesus, I would have never thought that suddenly Owen O'Gara is starting the All-Ireland <laughs> Final, you know, in a completely different role than any of the other Dublin forwards have played this year. Yeah. Do you know? And like that, I mean, and that's why, like the reason that I've they, they dedicated so much time to what Kerry need to do is because the Dublin are the, Dublin are the juggernaut, like they're the, the goal standard team and they, they have the ability to mix it pretty much whatever way you want it. And they, they will try and, try and, like, and they will easily switch between 
these like seamlessly but the, it's just I think that if you can try and curtail that slightly I, that, that's where it's Curry's best shot is trying to force Dublin to, to change up and they also need to like they need to massively hope that Dublin have an off day in doing so and they need to hope that the pressure of the five in a row is a, as a real thing that somehow comes to fruition on Sunday like it's a lot of there's a lot of variables to this but there always is going to be when a team's going for five in a row do you think they will do you think the pressure is going to be different it has to be yeah, like they're robots. If it isn't, like we've seen it affect. Uh, like we, they have yeah, when, you, when you, when yeah, but actual ro- when you see what happened to Kilkenny in two thousand and ten, now that was bananas all the way in the build up, and Dublin have definitely handled that better up until this point, right? And look, being honest, you have to admit, I was only talking to you, I don't know if it was you, Gary, about this yesterday about like driving through the city. It's not like it would be in Kilkenny or Kerry or anywhere else where you just can't avoid it because there are so many pockets where this may as well not be happening, you know? And so they've definitely avoided the hype in that kind of way. But at the same time, every team, the pressure just gets to them the closer and closer to get to it. And Kilkenny performed like, uh, other than maybe two or three players that kept them in that game against Tip in 2010, none of them turned up. Now, their best player, the best player the game's ever seen going off after 12 minutes with a retorn cruciate ligament, like, didn't help, you know, and there was lots of factors working against them. But that was a team we didn't think any pressure was going to get to. I can't imagine that no matter how much they do it, that they can't see that the history is is, is um, beckoning yeah. here yeah. and that one mistake puts them into the annals of infamy forever, you know? So I don't think that... that pressure is going to be enough but I don't think I I can't see Dublin going out and playing like at a hundred percent where you just where they just put Kerry away and we're like if they win I think they'll fall over the line somewhat you know Kerry speaking of history beckoning (laughs) uh, I'm going for to be the first jewel Ireland winner in the same year um, I'm already the, since Teddy her, McCarthy since the, I'm already yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already the the hurling champion and now we've got a, an Ireland football quiz special yeah that's very special very special so obviously the first question is I should have looked up all the All-Ireland referees for the last 10 years what was I thinking <laughs> so the first one obviously and the big one is the handicap yeah and I presume you were going to let me go first after Boris going first last week yeah. However, a, there is a, two, I, there is a I, two point question first up in the I, quiz for whoever. I'm going to put my hands up here and I'm going to give Morris the opportunity to go first because when we did the build up podcast on uh, Wednesday, I did, I definitely saw this spread. We didn't, I don't think we talked about it and I genuinely, and I put my hands up to the air, I don't remember it because <laughs> I was almost trying not to pay attention and then I just forgot. But because of the definitely, at least the subconscious advantage I have there, I'm going to give you the opportunity to go first. I'm like, I'm really certain it's like, like, s- <laughs> you're almost certain you haven't a clue. <laughs> no, like it's, it's, I was like, it's not that one of these like minus two, minus one, like it's, it's way we, Mick just shook his head to confirm that it's definitely not. Sorry, no, I no, but again, I don't remember. But I'm saying, like, I completely agree with you. I, I think there's a there's money for Dublin, and there's also consensus for Dublin. Okay, I'll say um, I'll say five. Oh, I Dublin think it, minus five. I think it's five. I'll say minus four. You should have went the other way. It's is Dublin it minus, minus six? Six, six? Is it? Wow, that's big. Dublin minus six. Amaris gets a point there. 
Yeah, Dublin minus six, lads. And for those of you who are looking for a bit of value... Do you know, it was minus five during the week, actually, because I literally looked back at the bet <laughs> that even though I didn't know, I'd forgotten. I just looking back here because Mark actually made the bet, not yeah. me. And I wrote down so we keep a track of them and it was uh, minus five. Just by the way, the other bets, just in case any, because we're not going to get to them, that we did our build-up podcast with Ladbrokes and we had Dublin minus five. So that's uh, minus six is definitely a lot tougher. I'm not sure we would have went for that. We had Con. Um, to uh, get man or team man the match and Dublin to win the game was six to one. Uh, three goals exactly in the game was something that I was looking at. Um, every score I wrote down had three goals, and that was eleven to four. Also, every score I wrote down randomly, and I swear to God, I just picked three scores off the top of my head. And they all added up to forty one points. So I went for uh, I went for under forty one point five points to ten to eleven. And then one other option was Kerry to lead at halftime, Dublin to win at full time, nine to two. That's uh, taking your lead from the All Ireland semi final, Mars. Yeah, I actually I disagree with every single one of those bar, <laughs> bar the last one. I think that's that, that's probably. Best. I you think, think there'd be less or more than three goals? I I, I think there probably could potentially be more. Um, yeah. I also I think the Conor Callahan is a is a marked man and. Uh, going back to that actually I agree with that one that was Mark's call Don Fowles preview was on this was <laughs> like the, 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 that, the preview I selected earlier uh, sorry that I uh, mentioned earlier um, pointed out that if you look at Conor Cannon's his influence in Dublin's goals both in terms of directly scoring goals but also as assists or secondary assists like basically stop Conor Cannon and you stop goals and that's why I think Kerry are going to try and bank on really trying to curtail him now that's a huge gamble to take but I think he's a marked man going into an Ireland final and for, I, I, if I was to pick something for a man of the match I think it'd be outside of that. you know there's never been a, a forward has never won man of the match for the last five for the four in a row like uh, last year was Jack McCaffrey Fenton before that um, the year before that was James McCarthy yeah Kevin did Lee Keegan not win one of them or maybe that was in the drawn match uh, Kevin, go all the way back to 2011. It was Nolan, wasn't it? Yeah, Kevin so, Nolan. Uh, yeah. So you've never had a, a Ford has never won man of the match. Uh, 2013, I think might have been. Oh God! Why question. is Paul Mannion jumping out at me for 2013? No, Kerry Man had it was never a forward. We'll check that. And uh-huh. it, but it's, it's, it's I don't think he, it is. No, but in the four in a row, but in the six All Irelands, have they? Oh, good question. Yeah, so in 2013, I have a feeling it was Paul Mannion. We should check that because I could be making an idiot myself. Like, Mannion wasn't at the upper echelons as well, which actually goes to, I just at that time, he obviously is now, which goes to my point. It's just that I want to do explain myself to, to what Gary certainly perceived as a snigger at Mark from me, but <laughs> it was actually more of a, we actually had the conversation on the show, which a lot of what you're saying, Morris, but also I think that, you know, it's the guy who gets to the final, the guy who kind of is the, the superstar, other than like maybe Peter Canavan in 94, they rarely have the big All Ireland final. Like it, it is normally somebody com- kind of from yeah. the the outer le- outer sort of echelons of the squad a little bit. You know, the guy who the two point guy suddenly has this brilliant All Ireland final. You know, if it is a forward to win it, it rarely is that guy who's got them there who's going to win Footballer of the Year. They're norm- like if you look at Seamus Callanan last week, like he had a good All Ireland final. He scored one three, but he wasn't the standout player the way he had been all year. 2013 was Bernard Brogan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the superstar forward. Right, okay. So the entire time I was talking there. <laughs> and then, of course, you forgot the all-time favourite GA bet. The draw is 14-1. to 1. Yeah. Actually, draw half-time, Dublin full-time is a uh, very interesting 12-1. to 1. 
So am I 1-0 up here, lads? You're 1-0 up after okay. all that, right. So but there's now, a two-point question for there's, me. This is a two-point question, Mick. We're starting, we'll get on to the quiz. So all the questions are All-Ireland final related. Football final related. Yeah. So the first question is, and there's two points up for the grabs on this one. You can have first go. What is the largest winning margin in All-Ireland final history? Whoa. So if you get it exactly... You get two okay. points and closest gets a point. I understand there's no clues as part of this question, but is this in living memory? No. So it's just a random number you want well, me to pick then? It's an All-Ireland final. It's a, it's, a, it's a guess. like Two points. Um, closest gets a point. I'm going to say... Is it in colour TV? <laughs> I'm not giving you any more. Right? Okay. 22 points. Okay. Morris? I'll say... Higher. 23. So the answer is 19 points. Ah. Or not. Uh, of course, you remember it well. It was the 1911 All-Ireland Final. <laughs> <laughs> Between Cork and Antrim, it finished 6-6 to 1-2. 1-2? <laughs> <So that's, laughs> Cork, Cork and Antrim. <laughs> uh, so that, I was going to ask you for the year, but I said I better not. So that's a point each and a level. So right, it's okay. So we're on to more reasonable questions from now on, yeah. are we? Now, this one... It's not, I was going to go for two-pointer, but I'm going to so give it exact. So if neither of you get it exactly right, I'm not going to give anything. It's a bit harsh, but I don't want too many two-pointers. So how many in how many years prior to 2019 have Kerry and Dublin met in the All-Ireland Final? Oh. Morris, you're up first. Okay. Um, so not counting 2019. Not counting 2019? Yeah. And this is going back to like... The this is ever. I'm... It's ever. I dug deep into the GA history books for this quiz. They're not all this far back, but this is oh, like I don't know because after like the nineteen nineties, I'm lost. Like basically, <laughs> so I'm just gonna guess. I'm gonna say, I'll say nine. Well, I have, I have nine counted since nineteen seventy five, and I don't know before that, <laughs> but it's more than nine. Um. I, but I can only get a point if I get it exact. Yeah. I'm going to double it then. I'll say 18. <laughs> no. It's 12. It's only three before 1975. Yeah, I, I should get the point there. I was closest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to go too many times. Well, I wouldn't have gone that high. <laughs> <laughs> so it is 12. It was like, the first one was in 1893. Yeah. And Dublin won one four to three points. But then there was a kind of... There Sounds was, like one of our PlayStation games. <laughs> yeah, there was big <laughs> gaps then. I think there was like 40 years without a final between the two of them. Okay. So that kind of counts. So we're, still, we're still at one th- all. This is going to be their 10th All-Ireland final against each other since 1975. I know 1975 sounds like a long time ago, but it's less than 40 years ago. And there's not the same bang of the Empire Strikes Back that there was before the Hurling final, weirdly. The, I don't know what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Right. Young Kerry team, I suppose. We're going to go a bit more modern this time. Mick, you, uh, if you get it wrong, it's passed on tomorrow, so okay? Okay. Who was fouled in injury time of the 2011 final, handing Stephen Cluxton the chance to kick the win and free? <laughs> Morris, oh, no, he, he said who fouled him. <laughs> Didn't you? Yeah. You're looking at me dead. <laughs> he knows that he's waiting. He's licking his lips over here. So, very John Keane. Well done. Um... It was on the right side. My instinct is to say Nolan because he played so well, but he was on the other side of the pitch. So I'm going to say Michael Darren McCauley. No. Kevin McMinnon? Yes. 
Kevin McMenamin. And he, oh, he, turned around, McMenamin. he turned around straight away and beckoned Gustin up. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that because I made a point for years that Kevin McMenamin should have won, uh, should have been a contender, a live contender for Footballer of the Year in 2011 because he came on in the All Ireland semi final and changed the game that was gone and came on in the All Ireland final and changed the game and gone. And one of the one of the list of reasons that I used was not just his goals, but was him winning the the winning free to win the All Ireland. It just completely exited my mind. I watched it. In fairness, I watched it during the week, so uh, yeah. I had an advantage there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. Right, Morris. Uh, this is Kerry related. So What's the score? It's 2-1 two two one. One to Morris at the okay. minute after, what, three, four questions? Oh, there's f- I have four questions left, I think. So, uh, how many goals did Dear- Kieran Donaghy score in All-Ireland Finals? That's a great question. Um... So the last final he played in was 2015. He didn't score a goal that day. He scored from 2014. He did score a goal. In 2011. In 2011. <laughs> <laughs> He's struggling. He's struggling. I'm going to have to push for an answer here. The clock is ticking. And does this go to Mick if I... It does if, go to Mick if you get it wrong. Okay. Yeah. So you just have to stop giving your reasons, but at the same time remembering that you're on an audio platform. <laughs> we'll keep filling the time yeah, for you, Morris, don't okay. worry. Yeah. I'll say three. Is it three? It's not three. I was going to say three. It's not three. Okay, not three. I, I know there's at least two, but I can't imagine it's only two. I can think of two. Maybe I should go with that instead of... But he must have scored. Like, against, like everybody scored against Cork in 07. He played, so, so Donahue <laughs> played in 06, 07, 08, 09, 11, 14, 15. Yeah? So seven All-Ireland Finals. I'm going to say two. It's four. <laughs> the ones I had was the Donegal game. He scored against Mayo. In yeah, so no, that, six. Yeah, and two in two thousand seven. Fuck! I and I actually had a cop on I said everybody's got. Oh, I'm after remembering the goal he got. To remember the one who was with the goalkeeper came out. Oh, I'm in right, 07 in the like. Oh my god! It was such a memorable goal. So who gets the point there? Me. Nobody. Oh yeah. Don't forget. Okay. You're. Disappoint me thoroughly. These are hard questions. This one's a bit easier. And Mick, you're up first. Who was named man of the match in the 2015 All-Ireland Final? Did Morris just tell us this a minute ago? I probably did, yeah. Uh, I don't think he got to 2015, actually. You stopped in 2016. Uh, Okay, so it wasn't a forward. (laughs) I know that much. I was shaking. What was the score in this game? It was 15-12, wasn't it? In 15... Uh, it was lashing rain. It, like, yeah, it didn't. It was. It was so. I remember being at it, and it was so much worse than I looked on TV. Like you, you were just absolutely drenched through. James McCarthy. No, Brian Fenton. Yeah, Brian Fenton. So that makes it three one to Morris and make your under Fenton and fifteen. And and the match. He got robbed. Sorry, he didn't get robbed. Yeah, he, sure he never lost a match. It was his sh- first year. He, sh- yeah. he should have got Player of the Year that year, but Lee Keegan got it. it was this? It was, this was, it was no, Lee Keegan got it in sixteen. Was he nominated in 16? No, no, who got it in 15? Brian Fenton should have got it in 15. I remember thinking yeah. it. That's the question. Yeah, no, but footballer Sorry? of the year. Footballer of the year. Yeah, no. Lee Keegan, sure, they didn't even get to the final that year. They lost to Kerry in the... 2015. Um, Go on, what's the next question? They lost to Dublin. I'm 3-1 up here. You're 3-1 up and make us Wilton. Um, right. <laughs> and tired and warm. <laughs> this is a difficult question. 
Right. But I thought it was a interesting bit of GA trivia, so I threw it in there. Who is the only? What? Who are the only county to lose All Ireland finals in four consecutive years? In four consecutive years. Wow. Um, Going back hundreds of years again here now. GA trivia. The Buffalo Bills. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just. I'm going to guess, and I'll say, down. No. No, down wouldn't have been in that many finals. Cork. The answer is London. What? Oh, From 1900 to 1903, lost four All Ireland finals in a row. So it's a weird. That's a weird fact that I don't. I've never heard before. It's an interesting one, but I wish Gary would give us questions that we might actually have a hope and out. These were good. That was the only one. It wasn't the only one. Am I three one up here? Yeah, you already have it one. But you, Mick, you have you have your honour to play for here. Okay. The last question. <laughs> how, many, how many finals did Joe McQuillan ref this decade? I knew there was going to be a referee question. <laughs> this decade, yeah, three. Yeah, it is three. Oh, I finally got a question right. <laughs> it is three. Three. The 20, uh, 2011. 2011, 2013, and 2017. Dublin won them all. Oh, Dublin Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, after... Uh, the, the champ champ. The champ champ. 3-2 tomorrow as it finishes in a very low scoring quiz where there was a lot of points available with uh, eight questions and two of which had two in fairness I threw it away by not getting the spread <laughs> uh, even just going in the direction that I knew but I'd already seen two days ago and the so, goal the Kieran Donahue goal you had definitely I had figured that out in my head yeah, and decided to not trust myself right Les before we go really quickly make, give me a prediction for Sunday I think Dublin are going to win by f- five points I think maybe like you know, I kind of have maybe 217 to 115 something like that I think we made our prediction in the office and I think I put Dublin by seven, so I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say Dublin by one. Um, Begrudgingly. <laughs> if, if any of us are right, I hope it's you. Yeah, me too. I'm because right. that's uh, that's at least going to be a game that's worth interesting. Also, Morris, I don't know if uh, you're going to be here or not. It depends, I suppose, whether you're able to get back from Crow Park or not, if you're getting Crow Park. But we're going to be once again back with an early three-man weave this week. On, uh, we did it for the hurling final. We had a lot of fun and uh, got a lot of good reactions so we're going to be hot taking the hell out of the three man weave on uh, Sunday evening pretty much straight after the match maybe a half an hour it'll be in your feeds about an hour and a half after the game you've got that there's going to be a bomb of coverage across the weekend PJ's got a piece on Kerry's comeback kids I'm doing a piece on Dublin's backroom team and on some of the coaches involved as well that'll all be up on site over Saturday and Sunday over the next two days make sure to keep an eye out for that regardless of who's right with their prediction do enjoy the game this weekend remember to come back to us on Sunday where we'll review it all until then take it easy